1: Hello and welcome to All Things Policy. I'm Manoj Ramani, and today I have with me my colleague Shambhavi Nayak. And we're going to be talking about something that potentially can revolutionize and change how research is carried out and not just carried out but also disseminated. And that can have tremendous downstream effects around the world. But this is happening in the United States. So we're going to be talking about this new shift in US policy with regard to open source research and open source access of research and we'll try and think of how what are the implications of that for India and the world at large and also journals and researchers and the rest of it. So Shambhavi welcome to this conversation.
0: Hey Manur, hey everybody. It is nice to be back on ATP after a long time.
1: And before I go forward, I have to acknowledge this that this is a special episode of All Things Policy because this is our 900 episode and when we sort of discussed this internally that this is the 900th episode we got some really curious facts about the number 900 in terms of ideas from people Uh, one of them apparently being that Noah was 900 years old when he built the ark apparently I had no idea that was the case (laughs) but there were lots of interesting numbers around 900 so if you have some interesting fun 900 related, you know, tidbits, please to share them with us. But that said, uh, Shambhavi, let's uh, first get to the sort of meat of the matter. Um, So from what I understand, the the White House's Office of Science and Technology Policy announced that it will be making the results of taxpayer-supported research immediately available to the American public at no cost. So that's the shift. And this is going to be implemented across the board from 2025. Although, incrementally it'll begin from immediately, right? From what I understand. It's
0: just to start now and it should the process should have finished by the end of it.
1: Okay. So I'm curious why this decision was made to make this shift because, you know, why all of a sudden we see this change. And if I understand that there is something the European Union has also done which is quite similar, right? So could you just talk yeah. us to a little bit about why this decision is being taken?
0: Yeah. So in the spirit of no and sharing resources and saving resources, I guess, let's talk about open science. So it is not a very sudden move. The US has been slowly shifting towards open access since 2008. First, it was the NIH, which is major funder for biomedical research, which told its scientists that for everything that it funds, their studies have to go into a public repository within the years of publication. Then in 2015, the then-president Barack Obama extended those requirements to more agencies. And I think totally they meant that about 8 million scholarly publications became free-to-read within a year of publication. And they were being read by about 3 million people per day. This is stats that I'm reading out of a Nature article, the link to which you can find below in her description. So the the idea that science has to be open has been around for a long time, especially publicly funded science, because... A, the public is already spending money to create the science, then they also have to spend money to get the science published. And then finally, they have again have to pay money to read that science. And so that's kind of seem to be duping public because we are paying over and over again to get access to something that we are already contributed to generating. There have been a lot of positive externalities which are associated with open science. The idea is that information should not be stored or hoarded. Obviously, we saw this a lot during the trading COVID, right? Because everyone was arguing that mRNA vaccines, the, the underlying technology, had been created using public funds. So the technology should allow to be viewed by everybody and to be used by everybody. It's not like only one person had contributed and given the funds to create the technology. So the idea is that if knowledge is available fast, available quickly, then it is easier to build on. And obviously it ends up educating everybody as well. So there should not be barriers to knowledge, particularly when it is public funded. What the latest advisory does is that it removes that grace period of a year. It Hmm. says that the minute you publish something, it is peer reviewed. It has to go into a repository. Mm -hmm. So there was been follow-on advisories which have come from the White House, which basically say that, look, what we want is all funding agencies, all institutions should have their own repository where the published paper has to be deposited to public. public. So they are not actually saying that you have to publish in an open access journal. They are just saying that we basically want all data to be available to the public through institutional repositories. Now, if you think about the publishing process as well and why this has actually happened, why we have so many journals, why why are people paying over and over again for publishing, for creating the knowledge, and then for reading? So, what is the value of the journal? The value of the journal has been peer review. And more than contributing to the science itself, it has also contributed to the scientist. Hmm. So what I mean by that is that the way scientists get judged when they want to move, when they want to be promoted. Is that you have to present your academic presentations, uh, publications, right? And yeah. what journals operate on is this idea of impact factor. Mm. So, how rigorous is the peer review process? How well are the other papers that are being published in that journal, right? So, as a scientist, I would get judged on how many publications I have, not necessarily how many people have read those publications, but the impact factor of the journal in which I had published, right? Mm. And so, yeah. totally over time, that incentive has moved from making the science available to everybody to but as in the incentive for the scientist has moved from making the science available to everybody to making sure that I get published in a reputed journal so that my next grant or my next promotion or the next job I move to is secure, right? So somewhere journals seem to have kind of stopped being, or rather in addition to being a disseminator of science, they have become bar for scientists and their growth, right? So that message got I think has got lost somewhere that we want more science,
1: but it, despite. It, regardless of that and we'll discuss more about the sort of the economics and the business model that this is and you know how it uh, there are challenges obviously with the model but from the point of sort of philosophically if we step back why should the government has any, have any say in this you know aren't you disincentivizing more research because you are making you know I mean there's a slippery slope argument here right the fact that today you've made a case saying public funds it depends on how do you define what is public funds right the next thing you'll Next thing, the argument could be made that, well, public land available at concessional costs for a research center is public funds. Hmm. And that could lead to saying that, okay, then that research must be available open access. What does that do then? I mean, where is the market failure necessarily? I, I think partly you've answered that, that there, you know there is a market failure in terms of the fact that you know the model has shifted the way you've described it. But also, you know, it, it could end up actually creating the slippery slope, which is that, you know, at the end of the day, everybody has some degree of taxpayer support that is going on in one way or the other. It, de- it depends on then how you would define public funds, what is the criteria that you would use. Otherwise, you may end up disincentivizing most research, right? Because if people don't have access to eventually either their career growth or journals for, from a revenue point of view, and then you may see standards dip.
0: Right. So I think that's the very interesting conundrum about publications. A, I mean, I think knowledge is non-rivalrous in a nature where a lot of the other public assets uh, our rival is right. So, obviously, the more you spread, you just want to keep on increasing its value because the more people read it, the more people get might get inspired to do something to build on it. The conundrum that has been created by the fact that as institutions, we also then associate a particular journal with a particular impact factor, and the fact that we believe that that is a good criteria for scientists to be, believed, to be judged on. That could be another podcast episode, I think. So how we shipped from that to A lot of funding agencies have been tried to move. In fact, DBT DST, which is the Department of Biotechnology and Department of Science and Technology of the Government of India, had put out a paper in 2015 or late 2014, where they said that, Look, we don't think the scientists that DBT and DST are hiring should be judged on their impact factors or the papers that they produce, which is all very nice to say, but we really haven't brainstormed on another tangible criteria that could be used in place of impact factors. And as far as I know, people still will look at impact factors. And there have been progressive hirings that a lot of senior scientists will talk about. They will say, no no, we don't look at it. But it's still usually the first check that goes on. So when you send in an application, I think they probably just grade you based on the publications and then eventually other criteria will also come in. So I think the point the point on that is that doing open access, doing open science, I think is great for society. But it puts all of the burden on to, say, the institutions which has to now op- create the open repository, right? And we haven't thought about the the consequence on scientists and how do we deal with those.
1: Yeah, uh, because, because when I read through this, the statement that was put out by, you know, the White House's Office of Science and Technology Policy, they say something to the effect of, you know, that we need to, you do this to level the playing field for all american innovators you know which will help make america again this world leader in science and technology and the idea is that look journals uh, you know taxpayer funded research is being blocked behind subscription which is blocking access for innovators and you know even barring scientists and academic institutions so and so from their own research findings now are you uh, it, th- this is where my sort of concern is that you know that you may end up Because if you follow this logic to to its sort of logical conclusion, particularly depending on how you define what is taxpayer-funded research, if it's a direct grant from a government agency for a particular subject or for a particular area of research or a particular topic, is that how you're going to define it? Is it, like I said, subsidies of some form which is taxpayer-funded? Then, you know, you may end up actually doing the exact opposite you know while also telling researchers that look you know it doesn't matter because at the end of the day uh, I mean a lot of research is also driven by you know personal ambition right particularly in uh, if your innovation ecosystem is one in which you can commercialize your research you know then it is driven by ambition it is driven by all these things so I mean so I mean my immediate thought was that you know you might end up being in a situation where you you might want to do good for society but you might end up doing the exact opposite
0: right i think so i think and i know mostly about india i think we are very clear-cut in the in the way our funding is uh meted out for life sciences Usually grants that are given for yeah for instance and I, a lot of our research and development particularly in the life sciences is funded by the government so i think we have uh, there's more clarity on the kind of funding that comes through for research i think for commercialization it might they might treat it differently i think academic papers is what the the u s white House otherwise uh, talks about patents I think are, are still uh will only be open once the patent is accepted or is granted right so you still have to have that secrecy. but will it have an unintended consequences on decreasing or harming re- innovation? I nearly doubt it because I think the that, positive externalities of having all of that knowledge open, not having to pay thirty dollars for an article might be immense yeah but that's just my that's just my conception.
1: no fair enough. So, from an Indian point of view, I mean, India has had this open access policy in place for quite some time, right? So, in that sense, I mean, we can India can claim to be a pioneer in this, right? (laughs) Yet, from what I hear from you know, in our conversations, and from what I read from your writing, India has not done well to implement this. Uh, What's the policy exactly, and where is this implementation not worked out? Can you tell us?
0: Right. So, yeah, I don't think we are a pioneer because uh, NIH did this in 2008. But yes, I think it's very still a good sign that CDBT and DST did put out a policy paper saying that we have to have open FS by which they again meant that there should be institutional repositories which are created where papers that are deposited. But that obviously then shifts the burden on to the institution to create the repository and run the repository. And I think that messaging has not really gone through. So you would expect, for example, that when you are giving out a grant, when DST and DBT is giving out a grant, which they, there are various fellowships that they give out, They would be telling the recipients that, Hey, look, we have this open access policy, so you will have to deposit your journal article somewhere or the else, but that I have not seen at all. So I think the communication has just not gone through the policy is out, but I don't think there has been any implementation. We did briefly. So you spoke about that European project, project S or Planets, which also was for an open access policy. They had a very different kind of idea. So they also did not want that one-year embargo that the U.S. originally had. Uh, And what what the European funding agency said was, we will pay for all of the papers that are published using our money to be published in open-access journals. So open-access journals are journals where you don't have to pay a subscription fee to read the paper. But they usually have a slightly higher article processing fee, which is the fee that you pay to get your paper published. So, So... Plan S had that idea that we will do all open access and in India had really considered joining Plan S before we decided not that we probably for a number of reasons that were not disclosed, we kind of withdrew from from joining the Europeans in doing open access. But I think if we had done that, then probably we would have seen a slightly better implementation strategy put in for open access.
1: All right, that's, that's interesting. So what can now sort of, uh, so now that since the United States, which is, you know, the leading country in terms of research right now, although China is sort of caught up, in, particularly in science and technology research, uh, the United States still is a leader, but in many domains, the Chinese have caught up. Yet, because of the ecosystem that the United States harbors, there are going to be lots of downstream effects on, say, the publishing industry in India, particularly because the big journals are all Western. Um, right. So, what are the sort of downstream effects of changes in EU policy and American policy on in India?
0: Right. So I I think a lot of us are waiting with better faith on how the publishing houses respond to this because I think when India did this in 2015, I mean, you, even though we hadn't implemented it, there, I don't think there was a lot of noise that was made. But with the U.S. being the biggest science funder, at least I think the journals will now have to respond in some manner. From the couple of publishing houses that have commented, we understand that um, they think it is too early to to actually see how the policy is implemented and then they'll take a fall on what's to be done. The immediate fall was, the immediate kind of reaction was that, hey, we hope that you will also support us by increasing the funding that is given to research because we will now probably have to move to more open access. I think that is the biggest fear that I think Indian scientists will also have because if more and more of the, especially higher impact factor journals, move to open access a model, which means that there will be a higher or Article processing charge, the requirement from Indian scientists also who will publish there might go up. We'll have to just see how that evolves. But given the fact that India is also aligned on having an open access policy, maybe it's just generally makes sense for India also to think on how we can use this window that the US has created by doing two things, obviously. A, we need to increase funding. I mean, funding as far as science goes has been pathetic. So this really falls that we need to support our scientists. I mean, yeah, I think Indian government, should, the, at least the or DST should at least put out a statement in the short term saying that we recognize that this is happening, that there might be an increase in cost for publishing and that we support our scientists for publishing or accessing papers as required. This was something that, uh, I mean, some seems to have been a major problem for a long time. Uh, a few months ago, there was a renewal of an exemption on GST, for example, that, that research institutions in India enjoy. So while private companies pay 12-18% GST on products, a lot of each other institutions pay only 5%. And the DSR exemption that was removed with, at a very short notice and left a lot of scientists struggling because it wasn't covered for by an increase in funding. So I think these two back-to-back events really, really enjoying that the NDST or at least the Ministry of Science and Technology come out with a statement on increasing science funding. And then obviously it also creates an exciting space for Indian publishers who can think of going open access, or oh, we can include a profile because that's a space that we can actually help Indian scientists as well to publish that talk and uh, has India's image in the global science
1: world. Uh, so. So basically in, in, in that sense, it can be a massive opportunity if we can find ways in which the state can support, but also the state can catalyze private sector funding for science and technology research in India, which has been a bugbear for many, many years. I mean, for the last, I don't know, since nineteen nineties, we've heard this, right? Six to seven percent is spent and much of that also comes from, you know, the, the state as opposed to the private sector. The private sector barely spends on RD in India. Uh, and even at a commercial level forget you know academic papers which may be sort of theoretical and adding to knowledge which may eventually maybe have some sort of application use at the end of the day but this can be an opportunity if you actually you know if you sort of take the lead take the opportunity right now and actually create a system of open source journals you can actually do much more
0: yeah and I mean look India I mean we don't need to stop at thinking about conventional journals right Um, I mean other things that we were discussing yesterday was you can now you can now put on a TV show and you can change it and just click a button and let you come in Marathi and Tamil and Telugu, etc. Why have we had this big unmet need of having journals in various languages rather than having the same article in various languages in India? So it's open to a lot more scientists than the small group of people who speak English and, yeah. research and Uh because even it's knowledge is science the, the most of media, right? So there's this really amazing thing that I think publishing houses in India can do. do. You know, look at uh, technology is improving. We have a lot more videos that are being made to disseminate science. So perhaps uh, there is an opportunity for us to just rethink this entire publishing process in parallel to how we judge scientists uh, and help Indian science in many, many ways than just thinking about impact practice.
1: My last question to you on this is, okay, we might want to have, we might want to see that and we might want to have publishing houses or, you know, open, no longer it may be publishing houses, it may be a multimedia, whatever publishing house, how open, I, you know, I'm just going back to this idea of, you know, seeing your byline in a print newspaper and be seeing in a print and seeing your byline on a website. There is this still different thing of, you know, the, that, you know, one enjoys seeing your byline in a paper. Like. Similarly, scientists have, certain, have a certain thing about, you know, being published in certain places is much more valued than maybe creating content worth tens of thousands of hours, which may actually be 10 times more valuable to society. So how how open would scientists be to a change like that? Or would there be a lot of resistance from the scientific community itself, research community itself?
0: Right. So I think there's two ways we can actually see this. A, I think that you anyway end up creating tens of thousands of uh, hours content. For that one piece of paper that comes out. So (laughs) I I remember in my master's thesis, uh, I had done a few experiments, just purely science. I've done a few experiments and I was very keen on adding them in my master's thesis. And my supervisor was like, Shambo, it's just nothing to do with the actual project that you have done. And I was like, No, but I've done the experiments. I really want to talk about them. And you added enthusiasm. It's just like, but it just makes more sense. And I was like, No, I must still put them in and I put them in. I think the point of the story is that I think you come with that enthusiasm of wanting to share what you have done right because yeah yeah, you you have put effort into doing it the challenge is that over time you realize that that is not what the publication actually requires and then you you end up so concentrating on publishing that i think at least for me personally it it took out the fun in doing science because i felt i was publishing it for as i I was doing the science for publishing and not doing science for science. so i think For those people, this might actually be great mm. because then you can also share all of the other stuff. Actually, DVT had a policy for this as well that all of their auditors should also come online uh within a year. So the a year of generating it. So I think I think that is there I think the problem again goes back to the to linking journals to getting tenure, getting grants, etc. Yeah. Uh and unless that problem is fixed, simply saying that we have open access is not going to help So I think. This is a good opportunity for, for everyone to actually even think that like we're tenuring and granting persons. Yeah, so I, think, I don't All think right. funding agencies can just get away with saying that we hey, are do to fund open access and you're sorted. Yeah. You also have to fund a uh, lot of hiring.
1: All right. So with that, uh, we're going to call it today. day. Uh, thank you so much, Amber. This is a fascinating conversation. And I'm sure there are lots of people on social media who are likely to agree with what you've just said because I can see a lot of academics in my Twitter feed who are very frustrated with the publishing ecosystem. And, you know, there are these routine viral threads of deep frustration with journals. So I'm sure it is at such least... A broke,
0: some- it's such a broken system. I mean, because age, people say A, actually, are impact factors. And particularly from, from an Indian perspective, it's really bad because we just haven't had the resources to kind of always publish in iron papers. So when we compare ourselves globally, we end up getting more frustrated. So I think this yeah, is I a good be- opportunity for reviewing everything that we do.
1: Yeah, I can totally understand, man. Because, I mean, if you remember the paper that Sue and I recently published, it was written yeah. about two and a half years ago. And it got, by the time we published about Xi Jinping's reforms, he's probably done two more sets of reforms. So, you know, unfortunately. But with that, we're going to call it today. Thanks so much, Ambavi. Thank you.
0: Thank you,
1: Thank you so much for listening, folks. If you liked our show,